by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 17 in your Bibles. And Jeremiah says in verse 5, oh, I hear some pages turning. That's like old school right there. I like that. It says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. Nobody wants to live under a curse. So stop putting your your trust in your human flesh. And another thing I'll say is the church particularly in today's society in America, needs to stop putting their trust in a particular political party. Stop putting your your trust in human strength, in mere humans, and put your trust where it belongs, in God. I know I told you the story before when I took my little daughter Kaylee to McDonald's one day. I guess she was five or six years old at the time. And I gulped down my food like I usually do. and I was waiting on her to finish and I reached over and grabbed one of her fries. How many knows that's an uh-uh? You don't grab somebody's McDonald's fries. You might get one of their Burger King fries, but don't grab a McDonald's fry, especially from my daughter. She said, ah! I said, ah. You know, I ate it up. <laughs> when she saw me eat it up, she started bawling. That's my fry. You don't touch my food. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And she went on and on. I said, who bought them fries? You know, that's what you would have said. You holy saint of a parent, you. Who bought them fries? In fact, I got enough money in in my back pocket right now, I could cover you up in fries. I could drown you in fries, little girl. In fact, if you're going to trust your human strength, I didn't say this at the time, but Kaylee, if you're going to trust your human strength, that might be your last fry. But if you'll trust daddy, come on, somebody. Daddy owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He, all the silver and gold is his, ain't it, ain't it, Bill? Daddy will cover you up in fries. You'll you say, that's enough, daddy. But what I'm trying to get at is man's biggest curse Maybe trusting in me more than trusting in thee. Trusting in our human strength, in mere human strength. So what's the solution? Give it up to God. Give it all to God. In fact, today's message is entitled, Give It Up! Can anybody say, "Give give it up? If you're willing to give it up, say, give it up! Do you understand that he can cover you up in fries? And you hold on to that little fry. (laughs) Adam gave it up. 
to Satan. Satan con- convinced Adam to trust in his own human strength that he could be as big as God. You say, what did Adam give up? His dominion. What did he give to Satan? His dominion. God said, did I give you dominion over all the earth, over the fowls of the air and over the fish of the sea and over the cattle and every creepy, crawly thing? You have dominion, Adam. And he gave it up. All right. And our Adamish nature still wants to make much of me and little of thee. We still want to hold on to our fries. And Romans 125, I think it says, it sums it up like this. We worship the created instead of the creator. Anything you're putting your trust in, in this earth, other than God, you're trusting the, the created instead of the creator. It's really called idol worship. But you know, God knew that we were butt dust. <laughs> what? It says it in the Bible, we're butt dust. <laughs> and so he set about to give us a do-over, a new lease on life. But he had to find somebody that he could cut covenant with. And he found a man named Abram early on in, I think, Genesis 22, or, you know, where this story is, I'm going to tell. But in Genesis, he found a guy named Abram. Now, it took him many years to get Abram to start trusting. And how many of you know that what Bill was talking about? You've got to grow your faith. You've got to stay with your faith or your faith will begin to disappear like them fries. Well, anyway, he had convinced Abram to trust him. He had even changed his name to Abraham. And now he had convinced Abraham that as an old man and his old dried-up wife could have a child. And they did. A miracle child. I think, I don't remember the, the ages, but I think Abraham was 90 and Sarah was 80 and she had never had a child before. Her womb was barren. Well, they had this child named Isaac and he was a child of promise and God promised them this child. Through this child, I'll bless all the earth. Through this child, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so Abraham's good until God came knocking. Do you know God's going to come knocking to take you to a new level of faith? Maybe he's at the door today. Maybe he's knocking on your door right now. We're fixing to go to a new level of faith. A new level of giving it up. So, so God says, Abraham, I want you to go to the area of Moriah, and I'm going to show you a mountain, and I want you to take your son, the son that you love, 
child of promise, Isaac, and sacrifice him to me there upon that mountain. <sighs> Come on now. This ain't some little fairy tale. This is true. He asked him to take his child, the one that he waited 90 years for, and sacrifice him. And Abraham knew what that meant. But it says he got up early the next morning. How many knows that if you've been walking with God for maybe 100 years at this point, and you've seen God time after time after time meet your needs according to his riches and glory, every time you give up what's in your hand, you get so much more back. He didn't understand it, I'm sure. God, you told me this was my child of promise. I mean, I don't understand it, but he got up early the next morning. It was faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Abraham is the father of the faith. Because he got up early that morning. And he got some wood and he put it on a donkey. He called his two servants. He got Isaac. He put a knife in his sheath. And he got a, some fire in a little, whatever they carried fire in, I don't know. A little fire thing. <laughs> he said, let's go. We're going to go worship God. And they walked for three days until they got to the area of Moriah and God showed them the mountain. And Abraham told his servants, y'all stay here. And then he said something very prophetic, not pathetic, very prophetic. I don't know if he meant to say it. Sometimes you say something you didn't mean to say, but God meant you to say it. He said, me and the boy are going to go up on the mountain. Make a sacrifice to God. He said, then we will be back. You're talking about a statement of faith. You know what you're going up there to do. But you also know that God said through this son, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. So God's going to have to do something. Did, did Abraham have faith to believe that God could raise the dead? Maybe so. Maybe so. So Abraham took the knife and the fire and his little fire thing and they started walking up the mountain. And Isaac had the wood strapped to his back. They're walking up and Isaac says, Pops, and you understand Isaac's a young spry little thing. He's probably a teenager or something. Abraham's over 100 years old. He said, Pops, I see you got, we got the wood for, and you got the fire. But where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And then Abraham prophesied again. I don't know if he meant to. But how, how many of you know sometimes God will prophesy through you whether you're ready for it or not? And Abraham said, God himself will provide the sacrifice. We well, said, well, that don't sound prophetic. God himself will be the sacrifice. God himself will provide the sacrifice. So they climbed to the top of that mountain, and they got there, and Abraham got some stones, and he laid out an altar, and he got the wood off of Isaac's back, and he put him on the stones. And it says that he tied up Isaac and picked him up and put him on the altar. Or it says he put him on the altar. I think Isaac must have had a little faith in this story too. I'm not sure because Isaac could outrun Abraham. <laughs> Don't you think? 
Don't you think he was thinking to himself, Daddy, why are you tying me up? <laughs> and, and could Abraham actually pick up Isaac and put him on? Maybe Isaac crawled up there and allowed himself to be tied up. Maybe Isaac had some faith in this story too. And Abraham wasted no time and he pulled that knife out of his sheath and he raised it like this and God called from heaven, Abraham! Abraham! He had to call it twice because the knife was on the way down. Because Abraham had so much faith in what God told him to do that he was fixing to sacrifice his only son. And God said, do the boy no harm. Look, there's a ram caught in the thicket. And God provided himself the little lamb slain before the foundations. A picture of it. A sacrifice. And God said, now I know that you really have faith. Because you were willing to give up your son for me. I can give up my son for this world. Say, give it up. You can't outgive God even if you gave your only child. You can't outgive God. If God asks it from you, give it. I'm trying to tell you how to be blessed. You see, Abraham cut covenant with God, it wasn't a contract, it wasn't a bunch of legal jargon saying, protecting each other in case he doesn't hold up his end of the bargain. No, a covenant is not a contract. This is a blood covenant, which is something you enter into knowing that everything that I now possess, everything that I am, all that I am now belongs to you, and I willingly give it because I know that everything that you are and everything that you possess now belongs to me, and we become stronger together. And that's what the blood covenant is. And God cut covenant with a man named Abraham so that he might give his child because Abraham was willing to give his. You see how it works? And I want you to know, when you received Christ as your Lord, you entered in to a blood covenant You confessed him as Lord. But you had no idea what that word meant. <laughs> we don't. We just want to be saved. We want to be forgiven. We want to be relieved of this sin debt. We want a fresh start. We want that restart. But we have no idea what the word Lord means. Until that process of sanctification begins in our life. And what is sanctification? It's what happens when you confess him as Lord till the day you die. You ever begin to understand what that word means. And he's going to ever ask you to give up your fries that he may cover you up. It's going deeper. It's learning to trust him with the little things. It's going deeper. It's deep calling unto deep. Sanctification is the process of emptying myself and giving it all away. I give myself away. I give myself away. Process of sanctification. Say, give it up. 
to the degree that we give it up, God's able to give up all that's in his hand, you see. What are we holding on to? <laughs> we give it up, our little stuff. And the kingdom is open wide and the windows of heaven are open wide unto us. Let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. That'll be left from where you were. First Kings chapter 17 and verse 10. Y'all have, all have heard of Elijah, right? He was another great prophet. And it says, Elijah went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, and bring me a bite of bread, too. But she said, she turned back and she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I only have a handful of flour left in a jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of a jug. And I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. Then my son and I will die. Elijah had caught this woman at the very end in her total desperation. So Elijah, he says, I'm sorry, miss. I, I didn't know that you were about to die. I didn't know this was your last meal. I would have never asked it of you if, if I'd have known. Is anybody still reading ahead with me? I, I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and you know, sometimes as a pastor, I'm always pushing you, ain't I? My wife is saying, you're going to wear them out. You're going to ask for, they're, they're, you're going to get them. And she hates when I tell, tell off on her, but she cares about y'all. She's like, <laughs> she's always taking up for y'all. She's always the, the mediator. She's saying, you're pushing them too hard. You're pushing them too hard. But I'm like, Angie, I'm trying to get them to give it up so that they can get God's best. You see what I'm saying? And that's what Elijah does right here. He doesn't say, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't know this was your last meal. He has a better plan than this being your last meal. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said. But make me a little bread first. Oh, we're right back to like the tithe or something, right? We're right back to God getting the first fruits, right? God asking the first of us. He said, then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time of the Lord sends rains and crops grow again. So she did, as Elijah said. She had faith. You know, it's one thing to hear something about God. It's another thing to do it. It's a good thing to walk away to here today and say, I heard a good message. Whoop-dee-doo. Whoop-dee-doo. You probably hear a good message here at least 30% of the time. That's... <laughs> <coughs> 
So she did as Elijah said, and her family continued to eat for many days. And there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. What are you holding back from God? You're holding back much more for your, from your own self is what you're doing. If God is asking something of you and you're holding it back, you're holding yourself back from receiving what he wants to get to you. You know, King David, he wanted to build God a house. He saved up his money and he gave it in the treasury so that they could build a house for God. And God built David a dynasty. You'll always have a king on the throne. And Jesus was known as son of David because he came from the bloodline of King David because David had a heart. He gave it up. He wanted to build God a house, and God built David a dynasty. There was a little girl in Nazareth, and she was betrothed to be married to a man named Joseph. And she had plans, just like young girls do. I'm going to get married. I'm going to get a kiss. I'm going to have children. We're going to raise a family. We're going to have a little place of our own. We're going to have crops. We're going to have our own little field. She had plans. And her plans didn't include being called a fornicator. Her plans didn't include putting off her, her plans. Her plans didn't include her plans just being wiped off the map. Until the, until the angel showed up and told her God's plan. And that little teenage girl, I don't know if she had a PhD or not. I don't know if she had been to seminary. I don't know how much biblical knowledge she had. But she knew enough to know that I can trust God. And she gave up her plans for God's plan. And God planted a seed in her belly that would produce more fruit than any other seed ever in the history of mankind. Because she was willing to give up her plans for God's plans. Are you willing to give up your plans? I think we all know how we want our life to go. We've planned this out, man. In five years, I want to see this, and we've got our, our plans. But what if God interrupts? You're going to hold on to that fry? God wants to cover you up. What is the seed that God is wanting to plant into your life, but you're refusing it? Because you don't think it fits with your plans. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. The Apostle Paul had a plan growing up. He was very zealous about his plan. He spent his whole life working to do what he thought God wanted him to do. 
And even though he was doing exactly what he thought God wanted him to do, God blew up his plans. And God showed him the truth and opened his eyes. In fact, in fact he blinded him with the light. He knocked him off his high horse and blinded him to his natural plans. And he gave him a supernatural vision for what God really wanted from his life. In Philippians 3, 3, Paul is at the, at the, end, of his, at the end of his life. He's in a prison in Philippi, and he writes this. For we who worship by the Spirit of, the God, of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. In other words, we've cut off the things that don't matter. Do I need to say that again? We who worship by the Spirit. In other words, we who allow the Spirit of God to have His way in us, we're the ones that cut off things that don't matter. We're truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Remember the scripture we started with? Cursed is the man who puts his trust in mere humans. He says here, we put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. He's saying, you remember what, how hard I tried growing up, how many things that I did with my own human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. He goes on to tell how he was born of the tribe of Benjamin. He became a Pharisee, the strictest sect of the law. All these things that he accomplished and being a Pharisee, I think you had to memorize the whole Old Testament to become a Pharisee. It's not no light thing. But he was willing to give it up when he met the Lord of Lords. And in verse 7, he's talking about those things that he had before. The things that he gave up, you understand. The things that, that he was holding on to. And maybe there's things that you're holding on to and things that you don't want to give up. But he says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. You see, Christ changes everything. The revelation, the, the, the deeper I go with Christ, the more I feel his love, the, the, dimly, the dimmer the things of this world become. Yes, everything else is worthless when, with compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's not even got to the benefits of knowing him. He's just saying the knowing him himself is the best part. For his sake, I have discarded everything else. I let it go. I let it go. Counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. You see, you discard so that you can gain. When you discard the things of this life, you gain the things of the eternal life. <laughs> I think I've made my point. Do I need to belabor that anymore? I mean, if you don't see it by now, I don't know what I can do for you. But, but I say these things, and we agree, and we say amen. But I know even as your pastor, there's things I hold on to that I don't want to let go of. But God, but God, but I'm, this is my thing.
But I'm learning to let it go. What area in your life is God dealing with you? Maybe right now. Maybe as I'm speaking, maybe there's something in your heart right now that God is saying, you know I've been dealing with you about giving it up. And I'm not talking everything that he has to give up. Not, I'm not just talking about sin. It might be possessions. It might be a, a way of thinking. It might be something harmful to you. But you've grown accustomed and, and you pet it. And you don't want to give it up. So I want you to get a piece of paper. If you got a piece of paper, uh, maybe share one with your friend. Get a pen. Everybody look on the chair in front of them if you don't have a pen or something. Maybe write on the offering envelope. That's okay. Because I'm going to go through a list of things that I was meditating on and, and saying, what are, the, what are some of the things that human beings are reluctant to let go of? Are you listening? Can you listen and gather at the same time? There's things that we're reluctant to give up on or to give up to God. And as I go through here, and if one really hits you, write it down. Because at the end of this, I'm going to ask you, ask you to take an additional step. And we're going to have a moment of prayer. I'm going to ask you to give it up to God today. I'm going to ask you to actually leave here different than you came. I'm going to ask you, and, and you're saying, well, I, I know I can say I give it up, but I'll go back to it. I know myself. <laughs> give it up. Trust God. One of the things we need to learn to give up is our worry. You don't have to write them down if it don't hit you. Some of you say, I don't worry about nothing. That ain't one of mine. But some of you are professional worriers. Some of you say, I'm a parent. I'm supposed to worry. Some of you have petted that worry thing for so long. You love to worry. It makes you feel good. You feel like you're accomplishing something. But the Bible says, who by worrying can add one cubit to their stature? You ain't doing a thing but hurting yourself. And you've been lied to about this worry. Worry is the opposite of faith. Give it up. Somebody needs to give up their shame. Sometimes you feel like you can't hold your head up, even in church. You think about your past, the devil's on your shoulder, reminding you of what you've done. But I want to remind you of what Jesus done. And I want to let you know that our God gives beauty for ashes. You don't have to be ashamed anymore. Give it up. Give up your past to take hold of your future. Don't drag it around like Weekend at Bernie's. Remember that sermon? <laughs> One of the things we need to give up is our bad attitudes. I wrote this one in. I didn't have this on my original notes, but I thought about this this morning because some of y'all came in here like this. No, I mean, I came in here with a bad... No. But some of us, it's like, how you doing? Oh, God, yeah, let me, let me tell you. 
and you rehearse your problems and you rehearse your problems and you rehearse your problems, give it up. That's not doing you any good. Not making you any friends. <laughs> Somebody needs to give up their weakness. As an excuse, really. Well, I'm weak. I can't do anything. What can I do? God can't use me. It's not about you. It's about God in you. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability. Last I read, it says God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. So stop using that as an excuse, having doubts about yourself. All right, what about fear? God says he gave us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Another thing some people need, people need to give up is the weight of your burdens. Some of you are rehearsing right now what you got to do this afternoon. Oh, tomorrow I got to do this. This week is going to be terrible. And you're bringing the cares of tomorrow in today. But sufficient for the day is the evil thereof, the Bible says. You got enough to worry about today. Stop worrying about bringing the future into your the, your putting a weight on yourself needlessly. Trust God. Give it up. And he will give you rest. What about some forgiveness? There's somebody who hurt you, but you won't give it up. You won't give them the forgiveness that God requires of you. Don't you know that in the Lord's prayer it says, forgive us our trespasses as... We forgive those who trespass against us. Maybe that's why you're feeling so low down. Because you can't receive the forgiveness from God because you won't give the forgiveness. You won't give it up and take what you're holding on to your fry. Well, I'm going to hold on my fry until I die. And this one is, I almost took this one out because I, I don't know if I got enough time to explain this one. And I want to be delicate with this. But, and I don't want this to, anybody take this wrong. But some people have grieved too long. And you won't give it up to God. Somebody died that was close to you. And there's, there's a healthy period of mourning. And I understand that, and it's needful, and God gave us that. There's a time for everything under the sun. There's a time for it. But at some point, you've got to give that up to God and trust that God, they're in God's hands. And if you're leaving mementos everywhere, and you're constantly reminding yourself, and you've got it on the back of your truck, and you, you, you're putting crosses down the side of the interstate and all these things, that's unhealthy. And I don't want to hurt your feelings, and maybe you don't agree with me, and we can agree to disagree. But I want to say, you have to live today, and you have the rest of your life to live. They, they ran their course, and they finished their race. Trust God with their soul, and then finish your race. Did I offend anybody with that? I'm sorry. 
I know that's very close to our hearts, and I'm not taking away anybody's grief. Some people grieve a year, two years. Some people grieve 20 minutes. I don't know. Some people are able to give it up faster, and I'm not saying there's a timeline. But at some point, you can't hold on to that forever and live at the same time. You've got to give it up. You've got to trust God with it. Is what you need to give up a sin? <laughs> we all got those, right? We got things that we know are not pleasing to God and we're not giving them up. It's another little thing we're petting. Our little sins. Give it up. Jesus died on the cross to trade his righteousness for your unrighteousness. Give it up. Give up your unrighteousness. Give up your drug high for the most high. He's the only one that I've ever seen that can help you beat an addiction like drugs. But he can do it. But you've got to give it up. You've got to be willing to let go. You say, I try. I try over and over and over. Keep trying. Keep giving it up. Stop trusting in the flesh and start trusting in him in your life. We need, I need to give it up here. <laughs> I got a lot more things, though. Pride. Oh. Thinking the flesh is all that. Thinking you're all that, you know. Pride goes before destruction, the Bible says. But if you'll humble yourself, God will exalt you in due time. So give that up. Here's another one common in today's society. Give up the virtual world. Some of us have built our identity, who we are, on social media. We have invented a new us. And we're living vicariously in virtual world. There's a real world that we would do better to interact with. So if you're going to be about God's business, get out of virtual world. Hello, I know I'm speaking to somebody on that one. Include myself. Give it up. Okay, give up your perceived weaknesses and excuses, I could say. Stop having excuses and be someone who produces. You say, but I'm too old or I'm too young or you don't know what class I come from. You don't know my background. I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. I'm ugly. I'm dumb. They said all this about me. Well, give up what they labeled you and take on what God labeled you and, and say, this is what God says I am. And I'm his masterpiece. Give it up. You are who God says you are. Toxic relationships. Do you know that you can love somebody from afar? And sometimes you got to let it go. If they're dragging you down, let it go. Let go of relationships that are toxic to your relationship with Jesus Christ. Please. I don't have to explain that one, do I? This is a hard one. Give up your comfort for your calling. I know that bed is calling your name. I know that buffet's calling on your phone right now. Will he just shut up so I can get to the buffet? 
Have you ever told your flesh no? It's about time you did. Because God has got a plan for your life and you're not going to get there in the flesh. Give up your compromise that you may be consumed by Christ. Give up your complacency that you may be hungry for more. There's more than you're living right now. There's more than I'm living. Try. Some of us are trying to make things happen. We've got this job and we see our future and I'm going to get this promotion and you've got this planned out and you're trying so hard to make something happen and you've never even considered if that was God's plan for you. And just like Glenn Roseberry preached here last Sunday, he was sitting in that little, what was it, a, that little Porsche. He said, this is not God's plan for my life. And the man gave up everything and learned Swahili, for goodness sakes. But look how happy he is. Oh, and I can imagine the rewards in heaven now that wouldn't have been there if he'd have held on to that Porsche. Give up your fries. Say, give it up. Yeah. Traditions. Some of us are stuck in our old ways of thinking, Mama did it like this, I'm going to do it like that. The church I went to was like this. Get you a fresh fire. God always has fresh bread in the house. He throws out the old bread when it gets stale. The truth remains, but the, but the means are not sacred. I hope I'm making sense. Give up the American dream for kingdom business. This is the one I always yell about, and I'm not going to yell this time. You stiff-necked people. Resistance to the Holy Ghost. Well, that's weird. I don't want to be weird. Do you think it's weird when Jesus raised the dead by the power of the Holy Ghost? You think it's weird when Jesus opened the eyes of the blind by the power of the Holy Ghost? If, if that's what you think is weird, then you don't need the Holy Ghost. But if you want words of wisdom, words of knowledge, you want to operate in, in more than just mere human flesh, you want to operate in the Spirit, you need the power of the Holy Ghost. I'd rather be weird in the Holy Ghost Give up that old-time religion for an old-time relationship. Give up the rut you've cut. Some of us have been going around the same mountain for so long, we're just happy there. This is just what we know. That's not the way to soar on wings as eagles. Give up your part-time dedication to go whole hog. Those are the things. Can I get the band to come up here? Those are the things I've asked you to... Consider, and, and, and like I said, God may be dealing with you about your thing. Maybe something different than those, but those are a starter. Things that you, you, you might be willing to, to lay on the altar before God today. I'm going to give you a moment. I'm going to let the band play a little bit. I'm going to give you some time to pray. And do some business with God. Say, God, it touched my heart. I know you've been asking me to give that up. And I want to. 
and just make a fresh commitment and open your hands and say, I let it go, God. I, I let my attachment to these things that are, that are holding me down go that I may rise to new heights. I let go of my fries so that you can cover me up. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.